Welcome, folks, to the Football Game Plan NFL All 32 Podcast. I am David Hassig, and with me, as always, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Also with us, contributors Troy Anthony and Alex Morinoni. Guys, welcome to the podcast. We got a lot to talk about, a lot of news to discuss. We will get to the big, obvious news story here on our NFL show. Don't worry about that. We will get to that eventually. But don't forget, you can follow Football Game Plan at footballgameplan.com, youtube.com slash footballgameplan, where you can get all your football information from the pros all the way to college and beyond. Emery Hunt, we've got a lot to talk about in the NFL, don't we? Always, man. It's all 32. 32 teams, 32 opportunities, 32 talking points, 32 uh, storylines. So there's a lot to go on in the NFL. That's why we're, you know, this is the debut episode. Excited. And Alex and Troy, welcome to you guys. We've You may have seen these guys in our videos on our TV show, which is on the Game Plus Network. Guys, welcome to the big time. Welcome to the NFL uh, NFL podcast. Are you guys excited? You ready to go? Absolutely. Absolutely Thank you for man. having us. Absolutely. Can't wait to chop it up and talk some NFL. And these guys will be on. This will be a four-person podcast. There will be chaos. There will be hilarity. There will be absolute carnage at times. But let's get right into it. Let's get around the newswire with the big stories of this upcoming week. We are close to the NFL season, but there's still no Zeke in Cowboys camp. He is still holding out. Meanwhile, Jalen Smith gets a contract extension in Dallas on the defensive side of the ball. Emery, what in the world is going through the head of Zeke Elliott right now? Eventually, he's going to get his money. I just think that, you know, the Jalen Smith contract had nothing to do with Zeke or Dak or Amari Cooper. Jerry Jones has money. I think they'll get things done pretty quickly. Uh, So I don't think he has any worries about, hey, you bypass us to get to him. I think it's you know two different sides uh, of, of an issue. No, I agree with that completely. I mean, he's going to eventually get his money. This is a guy who's extremely young and has won the rushing title already twice. The question is, at what point does he get his money? I think this holdout could last a couple of weeks into the season, and those weeks are going to be pivotal, especially since they kick off against the Giants and the Redskins. Yeah, I agree with paying Jalen Smith had nothing to do with this because Jalen Smith is, on uh, a priority standpoint, needs to get paid before Zeke. Zeke's got two years, so it's mm. not a rush for Jerry Jones. And, uh, you know, they got these games coming up. They got two NFC East right off the bat. Zeke's got to make a decision if he wants to, if he wants to be part of this team. And I, I doubt he doesn't want to come back. Jerry Jones has played my games with all of you. He's playing you all for fools. That's all I'm going to say. Let's get into the second talking board here on some, some unfortunate news from the other side of Texas. Lamar Miller. Um, has a torn MCL and ACL. He is done for the year. How much does this hurt for him as, since he's going into the second half, really, of his career, and how does this going to affect the Houston Texans? Yeah, this is going to be big for, for him, not as much so for the Houston Texans, especially since they just traded for Duke Johnson from the uh, Cleveland Browns. Duke Johnson is a guy who I loved seeing when he played for the Cleveland Browns. He can be a spark. Him coming to the Texans obviously was right at the right time yeah. unfortunately Miller went down you never want to see that happen but I don't think that running game is going to miss too much of a beat yeah it's a shame for Lamar Miller though uh, coming up he's almost 30 years old uh, that's about the time when you start to hang him up for some of these uh, running backs in the NFL so this injury might be career ending which is a shame because mm-hmm. he was such a solid and consistent piece for that team he wasn't the big splash guy but he was the perfect complement to Deshaun Watson in that offense uh, a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield on all of his dumb passes, and a guy that, while you're focusing on Watson, a guy that's good enough to make the right reads and 
get you some con- consistent yards. Yeah, I had that injury before ACL, MCL. It's like legitimately you it one it it hurts when when you have it, and two when you are rehabbing it has to go extra hard because now you are repairing two ligaments uh, as opposed to just one. At least it wasn't the LCL, which is the dreaded one. Uh, outside of the the ACL and the MCL, MCL you can still play with, to be honest. But the ACL um, is the one that keeps you out for a year. LCL would have been uh, detrimental. So I know the rehab process. I know when you rehab, you feel lonely and you feel not a part of the team, even though you're a part of the team. Uh, so you just wish he gets back, you know, fast. But with the way the medical advancements has been made nowadays, you know, I'm not surprised to see guys tear it early, come back by playoff time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see, but it, it's it's a shame because this injury, Kurt Tell would have would could have been a really good backfield with Miller and uh, Duke Johnson. Certainly sending good vibes out to uh, Lamar Miller with uh, his recovery and his rehab. Number three on our list of the around the newswire, Daniel Jones. We all thought we everybody thought this was the dumbest move in football. Now all of a sudden, the Giants front office is looking like geniuses. Daniel Jones. The rumors being thrown around, maybe he should start ahead of Eli. Alex? You can't you can't stop this man. Put him in there. No. Absolutely not. It's preseason. Christian Hackenberg had his moments in preseason. There's quarterbacks that okay. have their moments in preseason. Nathan Peterman looks like a pretty solid quarterback right now in the preseason. You know, so it's you know, we're not ready to jump off any cliffs right now. Oh, what he has done though is damage control. He's made the right plays. He's shown that he's accurate. He's getting the ball out quick. Does not mean he's going to be a top 32 quarterback in the league this year, but he's limited the noise, all the negative feedback from drafting him when they did the Giants. Now at least gives Giants a little bit of angst off their back, and they can just relax, let Eli play it out, and at least know that this guy's not going to be incredibly terrible coming into this season. Dave Gettleman's setting him gifts now every weekend. Emery, you've seen him play uh, the last couple times at Giants Stadium, at MetLife Stadium. What do you think is... uh is, is this is, this is all hype or is it for real? It's funny to see how the narrative has swung in different directions. Because one, it was he's completely terrible, and then he has, <laughs> you know, he goes five for five, and then he has a really good game against the Bears, and then had a really good game against the Bengals, and it's now they should start him over Eli. He's the Messiah, he's right? The Messiah. And so <laughs> it, at the end of the day, what people don't realize about preseason is that you're not getting pressure, and that not just from the defense, but just from pressure the situation they're not blitzing you you're not going to see different exotic schemes and and coverages you're not going to see different looks you're not playing the whole game so if you combine all of what he has done he's probably played a quarter and a half i mean we've seen quarterbacks play great for a quarter and a half and stink the other half or vice versa so it's still yet to be seen how good he is um alex brought up you know uh nathan (laughs) peterman who was perfect in the preseason yeah. just last year yeah. and we know what Nathan Peterman is so <laughs> yeah I, th- I just think I know people will say well what if this was Josh Allen the defensive player balling out or what if this was uh, you know Dwayne Haskins balling out how would the conversation change I think the Giants themselves are putting uh, themselves in a hole here by coming out and being smug about <laughs> Daniel Jones's performances <laughs> Because now what's going to happen if he has to play in the regular season and he does what we saw him do for the most part at Duke, it's going to make them look bad. And it's going to put a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones. You know, But credit to him for going in there and playing well uh, 
with what was in front of him and just can do just doing what he what he had to do to stay afloat. He could have easily went out there and bombed everything. Then that would have just been even worse for him and for this organization. But by him playing well and the Giants now subsequently poking their chest out, um, it, it makes it even tougher for him because now people will go above and beyond to prove that, yeah, you guys probably should have taken the other quarterback as opposed to this one. Troy, are you on the uh, are you on the hype train for Daniel Jones? Not not just quite yet. I mean, these guys make great points uh, to this point so far. It's the preseason. He's played exceptionally well. But the fact of the matter is, it's the preseason. He's been going against Team Two and Team Three guys. When you look at his stats, he's gone twenty for uh, twenty five for thirty. 83% completion rating, but what that doesn't say is the fumbles that he's had in the preseason. Two of them he had in the red zone. Another one he had, all of them ended up in not scoring plays, but if you do that during the regular season, you're going to get points scored on you because of that. Should he start over Eli? Absolutely not right now. The people who are saying that, it's like, <laughs> where are you getting this from? This is a rookie in the league compared to a two-time Super Bowl MVP. The Giants have shut a couple of doubters down with his performance but is he ready no he's not ready i i think i have to agree here especially with all the crap that i said about daniel jones when he was drafted let's stay in division though and let's talk about the washington redskins they have named their starting quarterback maybe not the name that people thought were going to be uttered case keenum gets the starting job ahead of their number one pick dwayne haskins did they make the right move emory tom savage was named the starting quarterback in Houston two years ago, <laughs> and that lasts all of, what, a, a, a quarter? Yeah, until, pretty much, uh, yeah. So until, <laughs> I mean, and then they played the Eagles first first week. So, yeah, Case Keenan was named the starter. So, I mean, <laughs> great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I don't, you know, we, we know things change. It, coaches want the, the, the first-round pick to make something happen. They want their guy to be the guy. I get it. Uh, so, you want to you want Keenan Reed out there first. You feel like he has a better grasp of what you want right now, but at some point, talent will overtake that, and we'll see Haskins sooner rather than later. No, Troy? I agree one hundred percent. Now, me personally, I'm not a proponent of a rookie going quarterback going out okay. there and starting day one. I have no issue with the naming of Case Keenum as the starter. We're not going to see him as the starter the whole season. At some point, Haskins wow. is going to take over for this franchise. He's he's the face of the franchise. He's yeah. going to be the face of the franchise. So the question is, at what point will we see him? Because Case Keenum is a journeyman. We know what he is. How long do you think we see until we see that, Alex? I give it a quick quick trigger i'd say week two week three mm. unless case keenum obviously pulls out uh the magic out of his hat again like he did in minnesota and true you know they're three you know and he's this completion percentage is way up something like that and you can't pull him but if case keenum is normal case keenum minus that one stellar year i can't see this lasting more than two weeks haskins got has way too much talent and he's just a better overall physical physically better than case keenum so it just as far as all the quarterback attributes so there's no way the future of your franchise is going to sit there. I mean, we, well, one thing I will say about Case Keenum, he gets into streaks, and when he hits one of those streaks, he looks like one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, and then Case Keenum shows up. Well, I wouldn't even I – w- I mean, one thing that we know for a fact coming out of Washington is that he hasn't played with the starting offensive line. Haskins True. has. So, well, I throw him out there week one uh, if he hasn't had the reps to get with that, that unit or True. even with the receiving core. Yeah. So – Give him a, a week or two to work with guys that he's going to be throwing to. When is their bye week? You know, that'll be something to keep an True. eye on. Um, maybe they could throw him in then. We saw Lamar Jackson go in after 
week what nine or ten or something like that. Yeah. Um, like I said, we saw Deshaun Watson going you know, after a quarter. Uh, Keenum has to be Tom Savage level terrible for them to pull him <laughs> after a quarter. You know, so until he gets reps with the first unit, I, you probably won't see Haskins uh, right away. And now we have to talk about the dumbest story in the NFL right now, and that is Antonio Brown's helmet. It is still going on. How the saga has still continued, I don't know. He's now lost his second appeal. According to Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, Brown now has multiple offers for custom-made helmets from companies who will pay him quite a lot of money to wear them. How stupid is this, Alex? Can we finally get over this fact and actually get him on the field playing football? Because if this is what he's going to sit out for, imagine if he's going to have problems during the season actually playing the game. It's it's a clown show. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I have to think it's it's got to be for the cameras for Hard Knocks. It's the only thing that makes sense with this. It's, Does it even make sense for that, though? I, I don't, man, I mean, I, didn't, I guess <laughs> they're struggling for ratings. I don't know, man, but uh, it's, it's exactly what it is. It's a clown show. I just... He has a helmet that he is particular with. I get it to a point where you're comfortable with something, but it's not like the NFL is putting you in a situation where you're going to hurt yourself. They're putting you in a safer helmet. Like That's all yeah. you need to know. Get get on the field. Because that's all <laughs> we know about the NFL. It's clearly about player safety. Troy, <laughs> thoughts? I mean, AB is losing me. With that whole situation in Pittsburgh, I took his side because I felt as if a quarterback shouldn't throw his teammates under the bus. But you're missing a whole training camp with a brand-new team over a helmet? Over yeah. a helmet. Is it that big of a deal? Is this a like Mike situation where you get your talent from the equipment? Not, not the game. Not <laughs> the game. That's what I'm saying. Not the game. Over a helmet. Over a helmet. This, this <laughs> is ridiculous. Like, how much more of a prima donna can you be? How, how much longer of a leash do you give him if you're a head coach or a GM, Emery? How much longer do you give him? Listen, I understand the plight because I remember my last year in, in college. We had just went from uh, the traditional helmets. I had an air helmet. Um, and they, they were secure. They were kind of heavier, which, you know, you felt this is something that I played with since high school. But when uh, this was 2002, so they were just starting to introduce these revolution helmets. Mm. And so we're in the equipment room and it was like, hey, we're going to go with these new helmets. Try try them on. I put on a revolution helmet and I was like, nope. I took it off. I was like, this thing feels super light. Like, I don't feel protected with this light helmet. It was like, yeah, you know, they got the, the holes in it and it. um you know, it it helps, you know, uh, with it's better for concussion. I was like, how does this helmet that has holes in the helmet <laughs> is more secure than the heavy helmet that I was just wearing all my life? But I didn't I, I chose not to wear it. But I get why he's, you know, the helmet. I also understand why he's probably doing it, because this is your classic vet move. Yeah, I don't want to practice. I don't want to go through training camp. I don't want to go through all this stuff. Even though it's a new team, I know at the end of the day, worst case scenario, I'm talented enough to where they're going to tell me what I have to run. Like, yeah. if, I, if I don't know the play, hey, Derek, what I, what I do on this play? Oh, do this. Perfect. So I get it. It's annoying because he also had the foot issue uh, with, yeah. with uh, the frostbite. The frostbite. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, I get, I get it. Like, that right there would add more. <laughs> it's always something. But yeah. the helmet part, I kind of understand because it's especially for a receiver. If you're turning your head around, yeah, and you're used to turning it a certain way all the time, and it has a certain weighted aspect to it, I get it. But maybe he's going about it the, the wrong way, uh, leaving camp. I, I, you could be upset and, and protest the helmet, yeah. but also be at practice. Yeah, you know. So that part, I don't, I don't get it, and I don't agree with. 
certainly going to, uh, I'm sure this will continue to be a saga for at least another six months because that's what happens in terms of Antonio Brown, at least in terms of recent news. Uh, but now we have to get into the main story of this first podcast here, and we it's almost like we planned this to be around one of the most shocking events maybe in NFL history. Uh, Andrew Luck, shocking retirement announcement. I can't even really say announcement because it was sprung in the middle of a game he was playing in. Um, literally came out just about halftime of the game. Someone has leaked that he was going to make his retirement announcement the next day at 3 o'clock. The Colts, it sounds like, have have known this for a while, but they've now lost their starting quarterback with just about two weeks left before the season begins. And before I throw it to you guys just generally, I have to say that this went down about as bad as you could possibly have it. And part of that, too, is the fan response, which I thought was absolutely disgraceful. Uh, Having Luck booed off the field where he's given so much of himself. Um, And there was a couple of tweets here that I... I, One tweet has been in uh, particular from Martellus Bennett that I want to read word for word because I think this sums it up beautifully. Quote, I'm not surprised people boo Andrew Luck. I always say that fans don't see football players as humans. Most people take a week off with a common cold, lol. They don't want to boo this dude for making a decision for his life that truly have no personal effect on the fans as individuals. Absolutely. I I understand where Colts fans are coming from. They're upset. I get it. But this was clearly in the making. You clearly saw it coming. And it's just a disgraceful act the way it did. But... I'm going to just open up generally to you guys. How does this impact the Indianapolis Colts as a franchise and for this season? Well, I think the Colts are still in a good position to play well this season, to be honest. I think people looking at this like a death knell. Oh, my God, the Colts are going to be 1-15. They're going to go and, and draft whoever, insert fate, uh, you know, popular quarterback prospect right now. Like, this was a playoff team last year. Yeah. This is also still a playoff team this year. Offensive line is great. Secondary has arguably the best um, slot corner in it in Kenny Moore. Free safety position with Malik Hooker is, is excellent. The linebacking core has an, an all-pro second-year player and pro bowler and defensive rookie of the year in Darius Leonard. Defensive line added Justin Houston along with what was already there. Talented defensive line. So the defense is going to be top 10. Offense has a great offensive line. Oh, by the way, they added Devin Funches. They also added Paris Campbell and have pretty good backs. So, and they have tight ends that can catch, like all Eric Ebron does is catch touchdowns. So, they're good everywhere. The only question I have is not even about Andrew Luck or the quarterback position because I think Jacoby Brissett will be a a good player for this this Mm. football team. I still question the running back position. So, I I see it as, yeah, they lost a good player. I'm not taking that away from Luck. He's a very good player. Um, Does it change things? projecting for absolutely but i mean you know you say history showing my age a little bit try having barry sanders retire in his prime yeah. and just completely walk away when you just expected him to continue to be barry sanders and shatter the rushing record that Emmitt smith had to stay on for another five or six years to break when barry would have did that probably in two yeah so yeah Andrew Luck leaving, you kind of saw it. You know, it's. I mean, it's unfortunate, but you know, this team will still be good. It just sucks that they lose their their starting quarterback, um, their projected starting quarterback, because it's been Jacoby Brissett all summer and spring anyway. Um, 
you know, it, it sucks because he's a good player. You want to see, you know, good players continue to play play for as long as they can. But I get it. I mean, if, you, if you're constantly injured and you constantly have to come back and fight from injury, that is it's, it's, it's mentally draining. And all the conspiracy theories, too, that we've seen. We've seen everything from, oh, this is Ursay, who's the one who leaked it, to he's retiring to go to the XFL, to Kaepernick is now going to be signed overnight. It, it's just been absolutely crazy. Troy, what are your thoughts on the Colts now? The Andrew Luck is out of the picture. I believe this is a huge impact on the Colts. You know, when healthy, Luck is arguably a top five quarterback in this league. Now, yeah. can Brissett lead them to sweep the Texans like they did last year? They swept them both regular season games and in the playoffs. I don't know if he can. You know, Luck is a huge leader on this team. And to lose a guy in the snap of a finger, for us at least, we don't know how long the Colts franchise has known that this was going to happen. We don't know how long they've been preparing for it. We know that Brissett has been taking first-team reps, damn there, all all summer. Yep. So the offense should be in good standing. But Brissett is no luck, you know? Yeah. Alex? Yeah, I think the impact, obviously, like we all said, is huge. But it's not going to be the drop-off like we saw when Peyton went down for the year and you had Curtis Painter at quarterback. That had, That team had no talent. And when Luck went down in 2017 and the team won four games, that team had no talent. They brought in a new GM, a new head coach. They rebuilt this team from one of the worst offensive lines you would ever see to one of the better offensive lines in football. As Emery was mentioned on the, the moves they made on the defensive side of the football, this is a very good, well-rounded team. So there's no way this team's going to drop off to a 2-4 to four win team. They could still compete in the AFC South, uh, and it's all on Jacoby Brissett right now. Um, I don't think Jacoby Brissett is going to bring him to a potential AFC championship game, but he can keep the things moving, and if the running back position does step up, this team could be playing late football but right now i think they're still in the hunt though for the afc south for sure and i think something else that we um, that colts fans especially don't realize is how spoiled they've been i mean you look at the last 19 the last 20 years it's either been andrew luck or peyton manning at the quarterback position there are not many teams outside of new england who can say about that about their stability at the quarterback position so i think it's certainly going to be a, it's going to be a loss in terms of veteran leadership i think there's certainly talent there for them to at least be a threat in the AFC South, maybe not win it, but it's certainly going to be a major impact. But now the question goes, I mean, Troy, you mentioned it, he's top five quarterback when he's healthy. Based on his career, is Andrew Luck a Hall of Famer? I don't think he's a Hall of Famer based off his career. He just doesn't have the numbers for it. He's made it to four Pro Bowls. He doesn't have any MVPs, any Super Bowl wins. If you look at his passing yards, he threw for 26,600. If you look at all the quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame, I believe that ranks somewhere in the 22 to 24 range. I believe he's mm. just behind Roger Staubach. I don't think he's done enough in his career to make it to the Hall of Fame. I mean, I will say just behind Roger Staubach, it's a pretty good place it to is, be. It is, it is. But when we're talking <laughs> pretty, modern NFL, bad. when we're talking players in the modern NFL, if you can't get higher numbers than twenty three thousand, I don't think you make it to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think I, I, that's certainly some good points, Alex. I agree with that. It just wasn't there long enough. Now, if like you said, he wins a Super Bowl and is a Super Bowl MVP with the numbers he put up in just the six full seasons that he had maybe then you that argument's there you don't have to have the top numbers like the modern quarterback does if you were if you won anything he went to the AFC championship game once got blown out the whole deflate gate deal but outside of that they haven't really uh, they haven't done anything in the postseason um, I think because of that alone quarterback in the NFL gets measured on wins and gets measured on championships 
And um, if you're not going to be there for longer than 10 years and putting up those big-time numbers, you have to win. Emery? It's funny because you, you look at um, the class he came in, you know, 2012. He didn't win rookie of the year. RG3 won rookie of the year. Yeah. He also didn't win a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl. So all mm. Andrew Luck has been is good. Hasn't been Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, one of the sites that I like to use is Pro Football Reference, and they do a great job of, like, uh, having this this graphic where it's, you know, called similar players. And it's players whose career was of similar quality and shape. Mm. Now, so far in year seven, uh, this was, what, his seventh year in the, in the league or would have been his seventh year? Right. Yeah. Um, so far, here are the names that are, that are similar players with Andrew Luck. Aaron Brooks played with the Saints. Danny White, it's funny you bring up Starback, but White is the one they, they can, you know, say he's closely similar to. David Garrard, your favorite, Kirk Cousins, Dante Culpepper. <laughs> That's right. De- Derek Carr, Jake DeLome, Ryan Tannehill, Colin Kaepernick, and Matt Schaub. So from a statistical standpoint, he's around these guys. Mid-range. Mid-range. But he was a really good player. And, uh, you know, so – Four and four in the playoffs. Uh, Alex talked about judging, you know, the wins and things like that. I mean, it's just I think he was uh, – Is there's not a long, lengthy resume to be like, okay, yeah, Andrew Luck is a surefire. He's not Gail Sayers. He's not um, uh, uh, Terrell Davis. You know, I don't even know if he's Burt Jones, who is similar to what the Colts had, a guy that was great but just couldn't stay healthy. Um, Luck was – Definitely a difference maker. Yeah, uh, you know, only one losing season in in games that he started, which was the uh, seven games he played in, in 2015. But other than that, when he's out there, they're a winning football team. They're a double digit win football team. Mm. So yeah, he's very good. He's talented, um, but I think he's going to be in that hall of very good because it's just not enough. Yeah, I mean, when you have veterans such as a class of Rivers, Roethlisberger, and Eli, and you can have an argument whether or not they should be in the Hall of Fame, there's no way you're putting Andrew Luck in the Hall of Fame. I will say this, though. The media will try their damnness to put Andrew Luck in the Hall of Fame. Of course. They'll, yep. they'll say, you know, the organization failed him, you know, the city of Indianapolis, the, the economy wasn't good, and you know, luck did so much. He really carried that franchise. The price of oil dropped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lucas Oil stock right. went down. Exactly. You know, they so. gonna they'll they'll find a way to try to make him a hall. The question was already somebody this morning w- w- on on one of the prominent NFL shows was like, he is a Hall of Famer. I'm like, man, you are so like. How are you right an now. expert? Right. How are you an expert? So, and it's uh, it's typical fanboy behavior, but um, luck was a really good. Would you put Carson Palmer in the Hall of Fame? Oh, I say no. I, I don't think so. Yeah. I say no. Yeah. So you know, Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer, career-wise, probably in the end, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah. you know, so I mean, Eli Manning is another one that we could. That, that'll be another topic for another day, uh, as far as like comparing Carson Palmer and, and Eli Manning. You know, yeah. if if Manning retires after the last Super Bowl, is a shoe in, but yeah. the longer he continues to play. The worst case he's making for himself. Yeah. Because if they go seventy nine this year, he'd be five hundred as a starting NFL quarterback. Or he'll have a losing record as an NFL quarterback. 
which is unheard of for a guy with that many Super <laughs> right? Bowls. Right, so... Like, I, mean, I know Joe Namath wasn't very good, and he got a Super Bowl, too. But that's but back, like, like, that's back in, in you know, the, that, that <laughs> racism was was huge back then. Like, so, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, but all jokes aside, I, I just think Luck is, is a good player. Um, Hall of Fame is a stretch for me. I, I, mean, I will say this. I think that he was misused by the Colts franchise when he came in. I think that the way they managed his career was not right, but – the Hall of Fame is not based on management; it's based on numbers. And but, but numbers, a, and like, numbers wise, he is not a Hall of Famer. Eleven and five, eleven and five, eleven and five, two and five, eight and seven, ten and six. Like, what more could he have done? I, yeah, I, I, that's what I'm just. I'm I'm taking the side of the media for a quick second. Okay, back. I'm back in my happy place. Now we talk about the future and the present. Jacoby Brissett is now the main guy in Indianapolis. On a scale of one to ten, if you're a Colts fan. How much do you trust Jacoby Brissett to bring you to the playoffs, Alex? Oh, boy. Uh, with, <laughs> with the team that they have surrounded, I'll give him just over five right now. I'll give him a six, right? Okay. Because you, you pretty much just have to be a game manager with the level of talent that they have. And the AFC South, Jacksonville really disappointed last year. They have a good defense, but still unsure what they can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tennessee looks like they're falling off. They can't even decide on a quarterback. And if you can't decide <laughs> yeah. on a quarterback and one of them is Ryan Tannehill, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, if you're, and the other, so the other team there is the, um, is the Houston Texans, who arguably, you know, it was a, one, it was a two-man race into, for preseason purposes. So, yeah. um, you know, if you could take care of your division – you could just limit the mistakes, which I think Brissett being behind Tom Brady and being in that system and getting to watch Andrew Luck for a year, playing with the Colts for a year, then watching Andrew Luck for a year, you he probably absorbed a lot. So he knows what it's going to take to win. Now, does he have yeah. the uh, abilities of Luck? No. But if he limits the damage, plays game management football, and lets the defense work, I'm sure this team could still be a playoff team. Troy, what do you think? Uh, how much can you trust Brissett? Honestly, One to ten. I would I would give him a six and a half. I mean, he's a very young quarterback. When he started 15 games for them two seasons ago, he ended up throwing for over 3,000 yards, which is which. What more can you ask? Solid, solid. 13 touchdowns with seven interceptions. But like Alex said, he's had the extra year to sit behind Andrew Luck. This is his third year in that offense with all of this talent around him. He has he has potential to do good things for them. Do mm-hmm. I think he leads them to a division title? Now that Luck's not there, no. They, I don't think that they can get past the Houston Texans. But I think that he could push them f- towards a wild card push towards the end of the season. How are those last games going to go? I don't know. How's how's Brissett going to develop during the year? That's the question. Amory? Yeah, I, I think you you have to look at the team around. You know, one player, the team is bigger than one. So I would say it's seven. They should have some confidence to make the playoffs. What makes it tougher is that I believe the entire AFC will be super competitive. You may have a Mm. 10-win team not make the playoffs. Uh, But if you look at how things could shake out in the AFC, the Colts probably had a chance to get one of those wild card spots if the Chargers continue to play without Melvin Gordon. Mm. Um but now you look at the AFC North where you have Baltimore, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. I found it funny this morning listening to that same show where the guy was like, uh, Andrew Luck is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> uh, also said, uh, you know, collectively they were like, well, this this division, you have Indy and then, you know, Tennessee, you don't, you don't know. 
it's Jacksonville's division. I'm like, man, did did, did, Houston, did Houston stop playing football? Like, did <laughs> JJ Watt get traded? Right? Did, they, did they not make the playoffs last year? It's like, so it's Houston's. I, I had Houston to win the division. Uh, before luck, um, because I was trusting their running back situation more so than uh, Indy. But now with you know Miller hurt, yeah, I still like Houston. But I think that open Indy's question marks probably opens the door for three teams out the north to get into the playoffs. Yeah, you know, or maybe two teams out the west because I still think the East is a one team uh, league. Uh, conference, although the Jets, I think, will be good this year. I just don't, you know, they'll be in contention for the sixth spot. But with Jacoby Brissett, yeah, you you expect him to make the playoffs because this is a better team than he than he, what he played in two years ago. But we'll we'll see. So I, I just don't, I, I wouldn't count the Colts out just yet because that team is just too good to not make the playoffs. I would say this. I think there's reasons for optimism and for caution in this because he has played a full season as a starter, which people for, have. Just forgotten about 2017 completely, which Troy mentioned. Threw for 3,000 yards. Did he, have, he had seven interceptions, 13 touchdowns. Not tremendous there, but 3,000 yards is still good. The problem is this is he's only had three years as a full-time starting quarterback. He wasn't a starter at Florida his two years there. Transfers, and he has to start at NC State. Arguably not as strong a conference back then in terms of the ACC than it is now. Goes to New England, learns from Brady. Good. Starts in 2017 for the Colts. Good. They, only, they played him in four games last year, and he had only gave him four pass attempts. So maybe the trust isn't there. I think there's reason to be cautiously optimistic, I think, with, with Brissett. But three years as a starting quarterback does not tell you the whole story. As a Jets fan going through the Sanchez era, I can definitely, <laughs> definitely give you some experience on this one. Three years as a starting quarterback, no matter the combination. For me, I, I, I think he's going to be good, not great. Colts are maybe a wild card team. So, so what do you think about Jimmy Garoppolo having like a half, and then all of a sudden getting a hundred fifty million dollar contract? Stupid. Uh, <laughs> That's what I think. The first word that comes word stupid. People forget the game he played in in New England. He had a really good showing, which prompted the you know the talk about man, you know this guy could be the heir apparent. I think they moved Garoppolo after that, and then he gets moved. He gets to Indy maybe a week and a half before the start of the season mm. or something like that before he had to start that, that game against, I want to say it was Tennessee or Jacksonville. It was a primetime game. They had to start him. Um, so he barely was there. But I think they're in good shape with, with the quarterback position. They got him. Uh, they got Phillip Walker from Temple, who they brought along for three years as well, played well in the preseason the last two seasons. They got Chad Kelly, who's going to miss the first two games of this year for suspension. They, they have good depth at quarterback. We'll just see if, if uh, Brissett can hold the fort down enough to where they can continue to be competitive. And the funny, going back to my 2016 scouting report on Brissett, the guy I compared him to is Nick Foles. So mm. we'll see if he has Nick Foles-like So you, you think know, he's magic. a Super Bowl-winning quarterback then? Well, right, now that you look at Nick Foles, <laughs> look back on Nick Foles like that, you know, like how do we miss on Nick Foles? But – um, I think Brissett will be fine. I think Brissett will be he'll be he'll be fine. He'll and he got to keep tweeting too. And another huge difference between that 2017 where he threw for those 3,000 yards is that offensive line was garbage, garbage, and it's incredibly better going into this season. I still worry about the running backs. I, I yeah, I mean, there's there's not really many. I mean, I know they got talent. I like Naheem Hines. Uh, 
I personally think Naheem Hines probably should be the starter and Mac should be the comp guy. I like the I like the idea of both. Um, mm. We'll figure out if they can, you know, get super production out there, out that backfield because that'll help out a lot. Because Marlon Mack has the speed. Um, I and, like his physicality. And and uh, Hines has the the receiving ability as well. Yeah, I, I think you you mean you're not a Sharkandrick West fan though, or? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, Alex, anything you you want to say to just wrap up? No, I think, I think that's a, a great point with the with Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines is that they don't have that game breaker. So that is that uh, that's that problem out of the backfield. If you have that big yeah. game breaking running back coming out for the Colts, then I think percent for me would be closer to an eight. I mean, just as far as just do what you've been doing. Yeah. So, but that's the question there. So certainly, uh, obviously, on top of all this, we want to wish uh, Andrew Lux all the best in his retirement. We don't know what is coming next. We hope he can. Uh, Find a little bit more happiness because I think that's what some of the things he was talking about. Find so. an iPhone or something like that. Find a good find an iPhone. Find a smartphone. Find man. a good beach Some, to go to and a good golf course to play every and a day. Good barber. Fine. Yeah, that'll <laughs> definitely the barber. He can now finally shave his beard. Um, let's get into, let's, again, folks. This is the NFL All Thirty Two podcast on football game plan. You can listen to this on SoundCloud and iTunes, and don't forget to check out footballgameplan.com uh, for all your football needs. Let's get into the other debating point that has come up this year, and it's mainly come up because of injuries, and that is the value of preseason football. It has evolved through the years as we talk about NFL 100. We've talked about where it was in the past. In the 70s and 80s, it was six games. Now it's down to four. I can't imagine a six-game preseason with a 14-week schedule. Now people are starting to question whether or not the preseason is even worth doing. So the question is, should the preseason be canceled? Just flat out cancel the preseason, go right into the season, just do practices. Is there a solution to this, do you think? Yeah, there's a solution. You can cancel the preseason and also maybe increase padded practices in the OTAs or something like that to, to you know push it back so that way guys are getting into quote-unquote football shape. You don't really need the games. Um we brought up the 70s and 80s and, and, you know, 60s and stuff like that. That's back when guys had, like, other jobs yeah. outside of football, you know. So now with football all year round, they don't need to really work, uh, you know, have these games. And I think what they should do day one is just increase the practice squad to at least 25, mm. you know. So that way you have more guys to, to work with. Um, they bring 90 to camp. I wish they can keep all 90. And I, I put an article out on footballgameplan.com where I talked about, you know, if they bring in, you know, you know, with all these leagues that are starting up the XFL and stuff like that, you have an opportunity where you can have um, these guys that you bring to camp that you cut, the 45 guys that are not going to make this team that will be cut next week. That's your practice squad. They've been in your camp. They've been in your program for, you know, since February. And mm-hmm. now they're cut. And now they've also they're still in football shape. So if you need a guy after week one, you can go right to your your practice squad, team of forty five, and be like, you know, we call him up. He's in football shape. He knows the scheme. He can step in right away, hit the ground running. Um, so I I don't see the need for games, but the preseason I think that what, what could help them out is if they just add more uh, live contact earlier in the session as opposed to just waiting until you know, training camp to really put the pads on because 
you have mm. mini camp, you have OTAs. Um, one of those can can you can start adding pads maybe earlier. Yeah. And that I, I think would they don't have to have, add eighteen games, but I think that could take away the need for preseason. Games. And you got rookie camp in there too. So yeah. the whole thing. So Troy? I don't think it should be canceled. I do think it should be reduced though. I think from we should go from four games to two games, mm. not changing the regular season at all, especially with all these developmental leagues like Emory was staying XFL. A lot of these guys we're going to see in the XFL. We're going to see them, bring them into camp. More padded and full contact practices are a must because we see these guys just doing walkthroughs, and as soon as they enter the game, boom, a hammy pops, boom, a torn ACL. Yep. And that's due to the body not experiencing contact consistently. And as soon as it does, something goes wrong. Yep. So, yeah, reduce the preseason, not touching the regular season, and more more padded practices with full contact. What do you think? Yeah, I think reducing the preseason is the best way to go and the more contact, like they've been saying, uh, throughout practices. Because even throughout what they have now with practices, that's when, for example, when the when there's an inter-team inter uh, practice and scrimmage, mm. the defense is throwing everything out at the offense. There's no cameras. There's no nothing. So everything that they've been working on all week, they're, they're going to show it all to themselves. When they get on the field in preseason, it's all vanilla. It's a base offense. It's a base defense. And it's just going. That's why I never agreed with starters ever playing the preseason. Yeah. Now, I personally like preseason games as long as this, my starters aren't playing because I would like to see as a fan, I would like to see some of these no-name guys or these guys trying to make the team. I like to see them out on the field, out on the game field, and putting the pads on against another opponent because I'm not going to see them during the regular season, at least a lot of them. So I want to see the backups of the world maybe not so much trevor simeon as a jet fan but maybe <laughs> no like, but like for like for the giants though i would like to see daniel jones as a rookie come on and see i would like to see Lovetta, um kyle lovetta come onto the field and because they're not going to be playing during the regular season i want to see what we have and i think preseason is the best way to do that but as far as starters go it to me if you're going to be banging each other all week there's no reason why i should see them suit up against another team and i think i think that's the general consensus i mean we've had you know everything from Injuries to major players uh, throughout the preseason to the absolute joke of a game up in Canada where the game was the field was reduced to 80 yards. None of the players are starting. It just turned into an absolute joke. So that leads to the question of what can be done to improve the product of the NFL and improve the preseason. Because I think it personally, I think it's overblown. I don't think there's any reason that that every preseason game should be on TV even online like who cares honestly as a as a as the general fan base would look at it because i i agree with you as, as a as a diehard fan as someone who lives and dies with the team and goes to every game you want to see the backups because you want to see the depth as a general fan that doesn't excite anybody they want to see the big stars out there so the question is how do you improve the product and improve the preseason whole and i think for me it's doing more joint practices Limit the amount of game and have the joint practices between two teams because then you can actually have full contact. You're not just killing yourselves in terms of preseason warm-ups and padded practices, and you're still not playing you know, full games. You're just having the joint practices and doing it that way. I think that's probably the best way to do it and just limit the visibility of the games. Anybody, like, I, I think that's the best way to go. I think that's a pretty good idea, um, especially with the joint practices. You see that they have the fights and yeah, it still all gets that stuff. Heated. It's still it's a heated. Game. Yeah. But now you don't have to worry about I, you know, I'm the starting middle linebacker, and I had to worry about hurting my running back. You know, you don't have to worry about that because you're going against another team with a different scheme and all those things. And a simple way to do that, if you don't want to show much to the rest of the league, you go. If you're an East Coast, if you're not playing, if the AFC East is not playing the AFC, uh, NFC West this year, 
go find a team from the NFC West. Yep. Beat up on them during the so you can show some more during the uh, preseason, and you'll be able to you know be able to do that, and you don't have to worry about these guys going out on a week and playing in the preseason. I think ideally everybody wants them to add, or the powers that be want them to add a you know eighteen game schedule, which would just be just outrageous. That's not people forget the CFL already does an eighteen game schedule. Uh, with two preseason games, player safety. <laughs> but the, <laughs> the product, I love the CFL. I love the excitement of it. But it's a different game. It's a faster game. It's a more wide open game. Yeah. So you can't really compare their 18 game schedule to an NFL 18 game schedule and how the game will be played. So for me, when you look at these preseason games, without them, like you guys talked about, without them, coaches not showing anything or anything like that, you don't really need. The games, per se, the practices are, are more important. They're more heated, more spirited. And I know people talk about college football. They don't need preseason, but college football also has 120 players, you know, that yeah. they bring into the season. Right. Yeah. NFL has 90, but only bring 45 uh, into the season on game day, active roster. So it's apples and oranges. I just think they you don't have to have the games. The games do get sloppy. The games can be utilized for an evaluation standpoint. I, I just – you know, I, I get for those backup players that want that film out there. I don't know how much practice tape gets passed around the league uh, for these guys um, as far as, like, cut-ups of, of certain drills maybe. Um, but I do know that, that there's value in the games themselves. But you also see at practice, you see guys from other teams and other leagues at practice. So they'll, yeah. be, they'll be there. Like, other teams are at the games and scouting some of these players that will be on the waiver wire. But – other leagues and, and scouts are at the practices, you know, getting a close-up look. So guys will still have an opportunity to be seen. The games just look – maybe we just don't uh, broadcast the games. Yeah. Because they don't look good on TV. But TV is what drives the, the money that people, you know, uh, the salaries and all that stuff like that, the money that's made in the league. I just think that it, it's it would be wise to find ways to increase the, the reps, the live reps in practice – as opposed to preseason games. Yeah, I don't see how you can improve a product that is your C and D product. You know, like these aren't mm-hmm. the players who are going to be your number ones. You're not looking for players who are going to start the game for you. You're looking for players that, who are your depth, players who are on the bubble, who can just make this roster, fill out your special teams pretty much, you know. Yeah. That's what the preseason is for. You're not starting your starters all three quarters. Only in the third game do we see them get the most of their reps and they get a half, maybe a half, and a drive. You yeah. know? This preseason is to evaluate players who you might want to steal from this team or that team. I just don't see ways that you can improve that. And we saw in the Pittsburgh Steelers and Tennessee Titans game this past week, they tried working on uh, different camera angles and using the wires up top, and I, I just wasn't for that. Keep, yeah. keep, keep it the same. I, I like the product that you have now. I, I think I think all the I, this boils down to is that the value of the preseason is less now than what it once was. There are certain, definitely certain ways to run your practices differently, to run how you run camp differently. But in terms of preseason games, the value for it, for fans at least, is just not there for four preseason games. But I, I do like, and especially without a developmental league, I like what Emery said about expanding the practice squad to 25. Because there is no developmental league. Every developmental league that they've tried to run has failed. The NFL hasn't even tried to do one affiliated with them in years. So 
if you're not going to give these guys the opportunity through an affiliated league and you're going to force them to go Lord knows where now, you might as well just keep them within the camp and let them be the replacement players and have you know have them be there. You've got plenty of money. The owners have the money to pay these guys a salary for being on the practice squad. Just do it that way. But the preseason, I think, as a whole, in terms of four preseason games, the value just isn't there anymore. Um, let's get into the final section of this show, guys. And we're going to take one minute each. Everybody's got stuff that bothers them. It's a good time to get it off our chests. Kind of, you know, get, get, let it stew. Let it just be angry <laughs> about certain things. And I'm going to start to kick things off. As the Jets fan I am, I'm going to stay with the Jets because that's the only thing that matters. Le'Veon Bell. I understand where the decision is that Gase has gotten to. He's going to be held out until the first regular season game. What concerns me the most is that now he is looking at 600 days since the last time Le'Veon Bell took a snap in an NFL game, in a meaningful NFL game. I get he wants to recover. I get that he wants to be ready and be at full strength. But there's a difference between being in shape and being in game shape. And I don't know if he is yet. The only reason the Jets will make the playoffs this year is if Le'Veon Bell is a key part of this offense. And if he's not ready to go from week one in what's going to be a very competitive AFC, the Jets are going to be in big-time trouble. So I understand where it's coming from, but Le'Veon Bell better be ready to get right on his horse in week one and be ready to go. Troy, what is your uh, timeout rant going to be My about? My timeout? I'm going to have to put a timeout on Goodell's power. Oh, boy. the NFL CBA coming up. The players' association is going to have to take some type, some type of power back from him because his suspensions are all over the place. Like he suspends Zeke for six games for domestic abuse, suspends Golden Tate four games for trying to have children with his wife, but then suspends Jameis Winston three games for sexually assaulting a woman. So you're telling me if I want to have a child with my wife, I get four games is worse than a guy reaching over in a taxi and grabbing a woman's breasts? Like where where is this guy's power at? He just his his suspensions are willy nilly. They're all over the place. There has to be some type of organization, and the players are gonna have to fight for some type of organization in regards to suspensions, so they know what to expect. And he can't just do whatever he wants. He reinstates Josh Gordon a hundred times. Justin Blackman gets suspended for a DUI and, and is out the league like twice. Where's this power? Where's this guy's power end? I mean, it, it, are you a secret New England fan? It seems that you have a little, a lot of bent up energy. I'm a Giants fan. I am not a New England fan. <laughs> I, I think you're, I think you're a secret Pats fan, but that's fine. Alex, what is your Marinoni minute? I want to spend my minute on addressing the rookie contract situation for running backs in the NFL. Oh boy, holdouts are always going to be a part of this game, and I believe there needs to be a change in the CBA when it comes to the running back position. After Le'Veon Bell's full year holdout, and Melvin Gordon is now trending in that way. It proves that a change needs to be made. The running back position has one of the shortest shelf lives in the game. By 30 years old, majority of running backs are considered past their prime or even out of the league. It makes no sense to have to wait five years before they should get paid. A solution I have is pay a running back earlier by, um, by what they accomplish. Make it almost incentive-based. You can still keep it five years as far as the rookie contract, but if you're a player like Zeke or you're a player who's in the top 15 in the league at his position, somebody who's in two or three years in a row has amassed over 1,000 yards in each of those years, 7 to 10 touchdowns in those years, you deserve to be paid for what you're doing at that time. And the fact that these guys have to wait until they're pretty much out of their prime and phased out of offenses before they can start collecting a check doesn't seem right to me. And I know Todd Gurley just got his a couple of years ago. Bill got less than what he was expecting but still got paid. I still think it's gonna you're going to see more of the Melvin Gordons of the world start to appear and the Zeke's 
uh, if this carries on into next year. And it's just going to be a problem for the NFL going forward because some of the big-name players are going to be left off yeah, your team on Sundays. Emery Hunt, your hot take for the week, please. This is an easy one for me because I've been beating this drum all offseason and since the playoffs. The Ravens will have a top eight offense in the NFL. Lamar Jackson will be the first 3,000-yard passer, 1,000-yard rusher in the season. Um, and I look at what they've added around him. You, you've added – talent in the backfield when you look at mark ingram talented back coming from new orleans best back paired with a running quarterback like lamar jackson he's primed for a breakout season and we know the rushing yardage tends to uh project itself into you know your total offense numbers which helps pushes it up then you look at the perimeter they added miles boykin who's been stellar in the preseason marquise brown is healthy and was able to play last game uh, against the um i want to say it was the dolphins or whoever they played last in the preseason Marquise Brown was out there and showing that he can be a factor early on. Two tight ends in Nick Boyle, Mark Andrews, a third in Hayden Hurst. The latter two are the receivers in Andrews and Hurst. They already have great chemistry with Lamar Jackson, who has now been working with this team for an entire offseason as the unquestioned starter. Their defense will continue to be excellent, which means more possessions for their offense, which means they'll be able to run the football like they always have and will also be able to put up points. This is going to be a dangerous team, I do believe, offensively. Top eight offense. Top eight, not top five? Top eight, which means they're probably eight on my list. <laughs> I, w- I would ask you a follow-up question, but you I know I'm, you're not going to give me an well, answer. Well, if I, if I said top five, that would, at worst it would be five, right? Well, no. I, well, my question is who's the who are the seven above Well, because normally when people say, oh, top ten, it leaves a little bit of, you know, leeway. It's a little wiggle room. It's a little, you it's say, a little bit. When you're specific and say top eight, they're you're basically eight. saying number eight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So who are the seven above them then? Not Baltimore. <laughs> like, I told you it was never going to get me the answer. This is what happens every single I'm time. I'm saying, like, like, not Baltimore. This was supposed to be just for Baltimore. It wasn't supposed to be, hey, who are going to be the top eight offenses in the league? That'll be for next week, folks. Anyway, that'll be it for the NFL All 32 podcast. Again, if you want to listen back on this or any of the other podcasts we offer from Football Game Plan, search that in the podcast section on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com for all of your football knowledge, as well as youtube.com slash footballgameplan, where we will have everything from the pros through college and beyond. For myself, Alex Marinoni, Troy Anthony, and Emery Hunt, this has been David Hassagan. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you next week.